Like, here I am trying to figure out, where's green? Now, where's the red? Now, do I stroke it or pluck? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Geekscape Games podcast. Uh, this is level 20, uh, Geekscape Games, the O'Hareless edition. Um, <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> unfortunately, uh... Well, obviously, my voice is a different voice than the one that normally starts the show. Um, after Shane's uh, escapades with last week's episodes, uh, we actually received a few complaints. So, um, I'm unfortunately, Shane and his children and his children's children are all banned from the Geekscape Games podcast uh, for one week. So, uh, he'll be back next week. Uh, no, actually, uh, he actually, you know, you all heard his uh, World of Warcraft story last week, you know. He was kind of a prostitute for gold and other uh, items uh, of value in the game. And, uh, yeah, so he said he logged off, hadn't played again. We got a message from him a couple days after the show that he, you know, he was like, it's time for Chesty Melons to return. And then he sent us screenshots, and we haven't heard from him since. So um, I hope he comes back. I hope he's still around. Shane, if you're listening, you know, tweet me. Uh, no, as always, uh, I'm Derek Cranevelt, and I'm here with my illustrious pals, uh, Josh Jackson and Juan. Uh, how you guys doing? Good, good. Glad to be, glad to be finally recording. I wasn't sure if it was going to happen this week. I think I know, this right? is the calmest, uh, opening two minutes to our show ever. And we won't be blowing <laughs> Jonathan's ear out every, while he's jogging. I hope not. I'm not used to yelling, so I, you know, I can never, I can't even bring myself up to that volume that Shane like is is his natural level, pretty much. So we're gonna have to make up for it by adding things that Shane would say if you were here with us right now. So we have to, so we have to be hype. Everything's hype. Everything's hype. Pee in my butt. <laughs> well, that ponies, was quick. Ponies. Um, um, DJing. Oh yeah, and, uh, and PC PC Master Race and PC Master PC Race. Master Race. <laughs> All right, um, yeah, you know, we're I feel like we're kind of off our game now. I don't know how to like, I you know, I don't practice the segues like Shane does. So uh, Shane know, practices now the, the news. Oh no, he probably doesn't. <laughs> but now I know. Now I understand why he has such a hard time because I don't really even know what to do. But uh, so speaking now the of, news. Speaking of people who prowl through the night. <laughs> <laughs> Uh yes, that was that was that was good. Maybe you should take over. Uh there was a on did you guys see that Batman Arkham Knight got an M rating? Yes. How yeah, how 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 do you how do you guys feel about that? I'm surprised that the scarecrow got the nod to be like the main dude. Assuming he is the main dude. He could they could throw a wrench in it and say, Oh, he's just the red herring and here's another villain. Um, there's well, I mean, no... it's it's called Arkham Knight, and Arkham Knight was said to be the villain, and then this new trailer comes out and he's he's not even in it barely like it's all scarecrow yeah it seems to be like the scarecrow's bodyguard to some degree like that that's the way i saw the trailer like it because arkham knight he's not even speaking it's just the scarecrow yeah and i, I saw penguin i saw two-face and harley quinn was in there um i don't think i saw the joker at all no um, well he's no. dead isn't he yeah he's quote unquote dead but you know how yeah, he's supposed to are. be dead oh definitely yeah so but everything looked great Yes, comic books will always bring back uh, villains. So yeah, Joker did die, quote unquote, last one. But uh, it looks really solid. But I, you know, I'm really surprised that this they could have brought back or introduced another Batman villain, even have an original villain, and for them to use a Scarecrow. I know he's pretty popular in the character design, but um, the way he looks here, he looks 
even more freakishly badass. Oh, he looks he looks freaky, yeah, with his weird needle fingers and stuff like that. Yeah, like, I, I, I always love that, and I I know they always got some slack because oh, it's this Freddy Krueger, that's all he is. But no, he he feels like his own distinct thing. Like I don't think of Freddy Krueger at all when I see that I feel, design. I feel like I've never thought that before. And now that you've said it, I'm like, kind of like, oh, I guess I can see it, but I've never actually that that has never even come across my mind. Yeah, no, I still don't see it, but I mean, I'm happy to see Scarecrow get such a prominent role. He was, in my opinion, in a lot of people's opinion, the uh, best part of Arkham. Uh, oh, it was oh, so I agree. cool. I agree. Yeah, yeah. the first Arkham yeah. game. So, yeah, um, him being able to get that expanded role is great. I just hope, like, like you were. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's and, a. Uh, yeah, and it was kind of like, well, and they, I don't know if you guys saw, uh, Sefton Hill, who's the founder of Rocksteady and the director on Arkham Knight was talking to IGN about the M rating. And, uh, he said it was actually surprising because, you know, often you know when you're making a T rated game or you know when you're making an M rated game. And that rating that the SRV gives you is not at all surprising. But he, he was talking to IGN and he said, from our point of view, uh, we never wrote it or made it with any rating in mind. Uh, we never did that with the previous two games, which both, got T ratings, the previous two being, you know, not Arkham Origins, because Rocksteady didn't do that one, of course. But uh, he said, we just felt that this is the story we really wanted to tell. Um, and he also said that I'm not blind to the fact that the M rating does mean some fans will miss out, because, of course, you know, how many teenagers played that game and now they're you know they can't purchase this one uh he said i don't want to be oblivious to that fact it would have been wrong to water down the game and deliver a story we didn't believe believe in to keep the game mass market or enable it for more people we feel that's the wrong way to go about it and we said we love this story and we don't want to jeopardize that so that's a really good way to look at it like yes it's alienating probably a you know a significant percentage of the people that are playing the game but to change it just so that they could get into it is you know changing what they're trying to do and let's face it, I mean, the M rating is not going to stop a lot of underage gamers to get it. Their parents are going to buy it. They're going to find a way to play it at their friend's house. For sure, yeah. So maybe a very small percentage will be affected by that M rating, but realistically, I mean, I teach ninth graders. All of them play Call of Duty, which is an M rated game. How many kids do we hear who are easily under 14 years old and talk about Call of Duty? You know, they're, yeah, they're, no, they're totally. going to get, if they want Batman, they're going to get it. Yeah, no, I'm just really, really excited for the game. Um, I pre-ordered it like a year ago, uh, back when it was supposed to come out last year. Um, and I don't pre-order a lot of games, but this was like, as soon as they were like, oh, Rocksteady's back on the Arkham series, I was like, okay, well, I guess I have to buy it right now. Like, <laughs> take my money. <laughs> um, yeah, no, anyways, uh, I guess we can move on. So, uh, speaking of, I, I don't know, Juan, what are you, what, what says you excited this week? <laughs> uh, this week, um, one of my what it deals with a game that I've been playing a lot. I think it more than Smash Brothers and God forbid Hyrule Warriors. Uh, Monster Hunter Four has been the sole game that's been dominating my time this entire last week. And just the other day, uh, we get news that all you know Monster Hunter Four has been out in Japan for quite some time, and they've been getting this awesome set of DLC. And the question was, are we going to get it? Well, it turns out that we are. Not only are we going to get the awesome DLC that has like the Link costume and hopefully the Street Fighter costumes for the felines, but all the DLC is going to be free. Like no, not even one cent. So if you just own the game, you're getting all that stuff for free. So starting March 6th, uh, I think the first thing you're going to get is, um, let's see, I believe it's the Zelda stuff and then uh, Metroid, Street Fighter, and Animal Crossing. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... 
Uh, what's really cool, I did not expect, you know, Capcom has a history of making really shady deals with their DLC, especially when it came to Marvel vs. Capcom, where you had to buy the other two characters for uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Ultimate uh, with uh, Jill Valentine and uh, Shomagara. So I was already dreading like shit. They're gonna charge like ten bucks a pop for the DLC costumes and for the weapons, and for them to say not only gonna give it to you but give it to you for absolutely nothing is shocking to me. Yeah, yeah you don't see that a with lot Monster anymore. Hunter. Yeah, and especially with Monster Hunter, I know with Monster Hunter Three, most of that was most of that was free, and thankfully it looks like we're gonna get most of, if not all, of what they've promised so far. At least the way they're making it sound. Yeah, and I know one of my biggest disappointments with Monster Hunter Three was just knowing that there was Inuyasha DLC mm-hmm. in the Japanese version, but because of licensing, they switched it to some generic sword over here. But, yeah, but hopefully... Like that, that killed me. So as long as I could use Link, I'm cool. And Mega Man, the Dante feeling. Oh, the Mega Man stuff. Yeah, there's so much but, more coming out. And, like, as much as I like everything, as much as I like all the armor in the game, I can't wait to be able to throw on the Link suit and the Samus <laughs> to be able to start beating the crap out of monsters with those instead you know what's interesting though i i you know i jumped on the monster hunter bandwagon i guess when it was formally introduced on nintendo with uh, monster hunter 3 for the 3ds and i fell in love with it i liked it and then they had the was wait does the wii u version or the wii version first or the 3ds version first it was the wii version and then that, the 3ds and wii u version came ah out that's right uh, you're, you're absolutely right. So I played the Wii version a lot, and I'd used the online, and I really liked it. Uh, Capcom did a good job of doing weekly online uh, meetups on Saturdays. So Saturday morning, they would have, like, community hunts, and they would have um, specific items to those communities. Like, they had a, a leather jacket that had a jaggy on it that looked like very grease um, and uh, certain masks and stuff. So I was, but nobody else that I talked to really, maybe one or two friends, and certainly no high school kids that I taught at the time played Monster Hunter. Um, and this fourth version of the game, this uh, Monster Hunter Four, I can't have enough students who want this game. Something about Monster Hunter Four drew this entire crowd that didn't exist last generation with, well, the last generation of the game. It, it's it's eerie. Because now I have at least 10 kids in my classroom during lunch that are doing hunts together. I did wow. not have that with three. I did was you say 10? A, uh, 10 kids. Wow. And it started off with four. And and these are kids who play Smash Brothers. They play GTA. Uh, they uh, Call of Duty. And every day during lunch for this past week, it's been nonstop hunts. They're always hunting and they're talking about... Uh, which HR they're at right now. They they talk about and then what the funny thing is, and I shouldn't say funny, but the gratifying thing is, when I come in Mon- when I came in this uh, work Monday morning last week, I just keep hearing them laughing and like oh oh my god dude did you see that when you got the Tetsu and you just totally like jumped on it and you were just like oh dude, I thought you they're 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 talking about these great hunts that they went on and the experiences they had and they and you could tell that they had a good time. And it, I think that's what's drawing new gamers in, especially in my school, because the kids are hearing these other students talk about this game, and it's kind of luring them in. Like, wait, what? What are you guys talking about? Oh, so I'll check this out. So they'll show them what they're doing, and they'll talk about all the customizations that you don't have to like grind for each class as long as you just have the weapon. That's fine. Oh, really? Yeah. So you could be the same character. So that's like Destiny, where if you're a, a warlock, you have to play specifically that class, and if you're a hunter that class here you could be just one character 
but just have all the weapons in your, you know, in your, oh yeah, in your trunk. So I, I think that's what's drawing a lot of people in. Of course, the armor looks fantastic. The weapons are large and ridiculous. The monsters are equally large and ridiculous. And they're like a mashup of different things. It's like if you give a four-year-old like a genealogy book of animals and just like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to give it the head of a platypus, the body of a bat, and the legs of a reindeer. There you go. <laughs> but it's really cool. And I, I'm, I'm glad that uh, Monster Hunter 4 is having such great success for not even being three weeks out. Right. And I think a big part of it is because the game thrives on a social environment, kind of like Pokemon. Mm-hmm. So in my own experience, like Monster Hunter 1 and 2, of course, when those came out on PS2, it was such a hassle to play them um, since you needed that uh, hard drive for it that only worked on a few games and it had that archaic PS2 online. And then I know that the game in Japan and somewhat in the States really blew up when it was on the PSP, which I personally feel, and especially now that 4 is out, that it shows that the series just kind of thrives on a handheld where you can easily show it to people and get people excited about it and play with your friends wherever you are. Because even with my experience with Monster Hunter 3... I bought I bought the PSP one first and I didn't get into it because I was the only one in my area with who frequently played their PSP so I didn't have anyone else to play it with and since it was my first game I didn't really know what I was doing. And then when Monster Hunter Tri came out on the Wii it was a similar situation where I was playing yeah. it by myself and didn't know what I was doing but then when Ultimate came out on 3DS and more people were getting it and it was more accessible and it was easier to just kind of take your DS with you um once that happened, I was able to team up with people who understood the game better. I was able to really get into it and be able to kind of get um, make my own progress on the single player. So you, you know, it's so in that sense, it's not too, it's not surprising how much this game is catching on with the 3DS, and it's kind of just building on that. And, and it's one of those games that truly give you that sense of satisfaction when you do capture or kill the animal at the end. And you do see that unity within people. Like, you never met, but you'll sit down and play it for 14, 20 minutes. And once you capture that, you know, you're, you're the, the beast. Or if you're hunting something completely different and this random other creature comes out and chases you, it, the experience is always different. But people always instantly connect when they play. And there are very few games where you can sit down, uh, play cooperatively, towards this common goal and get that sense of satisfaction with complete strangers. Uh, we can do that online, but it's all voice, but to do that when a room with other people is really nice to see, uh, oh, at, least, at least for teenagers. But I, I know when the convention start up, there'll be rooms just dedicated to monster hunter. Like, Hey, if you want to come do a hunt <laughs> really? and people are really nice too. Like, Oh, do you need this? Oh, you need a farm tattoo armor. Tell you what, we'll go on a hunt with you. Yeah. We're uh, the levels above, but we'll go ahead and do it for you. We can always, you know, do with a couple other raw materials that's fine that's that's pretty cool because i feel like not a lot of games online or local these days have a great like community where people actually go out of their way to help you even if it's something they've already done yeah i i've only destiny i got that with just students like i I didn't get that with perfect strangers like i'll stand in that lobby and say hey i need to do the weekly you know the the story to, to like the vault of glass and i'll stand there forever and no one wants to join my fire team you know, because I'm too low of a rank, I suppose. But yeah. you know, if unless you know the people, no stranger is going to help you. But I feel like with you know, when you're in out in person, with especially with the handheld, like Josh was saying, and you just say, "Hey, I play Monster Hunter." I think you're just excited to hear somebody else play Monster Hunter and love it as much as you do. That fuck yeah, let's do a couple of hunts. Yeah, and that really helps with the um with the accessibility with it because it doesn't. It's not the same as like a regular RPG where 
the higher level people aren't getting any enjoyment out of going back to the lower levels either because there's always something there's so many items that you can make with each set of gear that there's never you know there's never a time where you're not going to be able to use that item for something true so it's it's always advantageous for everyone involved plus the game is never feels any less fun when you're going back to fight weaker monsters which i think and uh derek you don't have the game yet do you I don't, and uh, I still I do have the demo downloaded, and I'm still looking to. I'm still waiting on my 3ds again. Oh, that's um, right, you're waiting for. Yeah, so once that comes back, uh, I'm gonna check that out. All right, because then uh, I know I have it. Josh, I know he has it, so we have to do this three way. I think Shane has it too. Does he really? He he bought the he bought he was gonna buy the eShop one because he couldn't find a physical copy or something. Okay, then we all have to do this four player. Hey, I bet you weren't expecting to hear me right now since I haven't been in this episode at all. Um, just want to apologize. We had a severe technical difficulty at this point in the show. Um, there was a couple of hiccups. Uh, looks like I guess I'm just the lucky charm of the show. Um, we, uh, we do apologize. I apologize. Um, but there's a good seven minutes of uh, the podcast that is just unusable. Um, Cliff Notes, um, they talk about Resident Evil Revelations, um, and I don't know the whole conversation because the audio is so messed up. So um, we're going to jump right back into it, um, and we will be back next week with me, and uh, maybe I can wrangle these guys in a little bit better. Again, we're very, very sorry, but sometimes fuck-ups happen, and you can't stop at all. So um, back to the show. no he was always one of my favorite characters from alpha um and he was one of the characters that i wish would have showed up in four because i know they were bringing in a lot of alpha characters back for that uh with gen and um guy Uh, but yeah i was really really surprised because i know they should give a shot of the glasses and when you see the glasses i automatically knew who it was but when i when you show the face and you see the stitching and stuff like you know this guy sees some shit like the top half of his forehead is all replaced he looks like a patchwork doll almost so it's so it's gonna be interesting to see like uh, what happened to him in terms of the story um, and, and to see the and actually what his relationship is with guile because the only thing he really has is his sonic boom um but other than that it is different i feel like every time i hear sonic boom now i just think about that terrible game uh, instead of uh instead of guile it, that would be something if he could throw like just like um unbought copies of sonic boom at the, his, his enemies like Sonic Boom Wii U disc, Sonic Boom PS4. <laughs> <laughs> it's like instant KO. Yeah, and then you know, Big the Cat's part of the ultra finish. Just things that nobody likes. <laughs> <laughs> and then Shadow with his machine gun rolls through in the victory screen <laughs> <laughs> with guns and a motorcycle. Yeah, <laughs> but again, uh, the thing is, this is a PS4 exclusive, so yeah. it's that's gonna be. Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't own the system yet, and I. I I think, depending on how things go, this may sway me to jump on the PS4 if there's a bundle that I can get at a decently priced value. But well, yeah, well, you knew you were going to get I it eventually. Saw there was anyway. a decent bundle. Yeah, so, but yeah. I think this is going to be. I think I'm going to wait until this comes out. But we'll see. All right, we are. But, but you're missing out on so many PlayStation Plus games. That and uh, either that or the Silent Hill one, which my wife really, really, really wants to play. You can ah. you you can still buy the PlayStation as long as you have a PS3 PlayStation Plus account. You can still buy the PS4 ones on their website. 
That's true. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you just need the account. I'll do that. All right, so we're running across, I think, the 30-minute mark. Yeah, are there any other news uh, items that you guys want to talk about quickly? Um, well, just really quickly, uh, I think of the stuff I'm looking at here, um, the ToeJam and Earl Kickstarter. That went oh, yeah, that's I was really just cool. reading about that. Yeah, I saw the, the video. The, the bonuses that they're giving out are pretty nice. Of course, the, they have the $10,000 one. So if anybody has just $10,000 just laying around, you know, you want to have dinner with the guys who create Toe Jam and Earl, that'd be cool. <laughs> uh, the, the one thing, though, um, I, I'm, I don't know. I feel mixed about the art style because it looks like Paper Mario and Rocker, Rocco's Modern Life put together. You know, that old 90s cartoon that was on Nick, uh, Nickelodeon uh, with uh, the you know, Red and Stimpy and Rugrats and all that stuff. It's, yeah. And any purpose, the creator, he purposely says that the, the the direction we're going is a '90s comic book style, and it's all flat. There's so it doesn't look like rounded out 3D models. It looks like it something that would have come out 14, 13 years ago. Uh, so I, I don't I don't know. I, I know I'll, I'll still play it, but I don't know if it's going to be something where new players who have never played a Toe Jam and Earl game are going to want to play. Like it, it just seems like it's the audience is going to be specifically for those who grew up in the '90s, did play the original Toe Jam and Earl. Those are the only people going to want to play this and throw down the money to to Kickstarter. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, it's a great series. I loved it. The music is awesome, but I, I don't, I don't know if this art style is the direction that's going to draw in new players. Right. I mean, it's hard to say. Um... I mean, nostalgia is kind of a big thing now, it yeah. seems. But at the same time, like, Toe Jam and Earl was kind of a niche title to begin big with. Big time. So I feel like it was... I, I remember trying to play it when I was a kid, and I didn't really... It seemed kind of, Oh, no, I think actually the first time I tried to play it was when it hit the Wii Virtual Console. And I couldn't really... I didn't really know what was going on. I couldn't really get into it. And I didn't play it for very long, but I was just kind of like... I don't really get this, and so I'm going to play some Mario Kart instead. Like, <laughs> Right. Even at, when it came out as a kid, even, I had a lot of trouble figuring out what to do. Oh, yeah. But I just figured, and I still figured, that that was just kind of what game design was back then. It's like, if, <laughs> yeah. you, if you knew what to do, these games are over in like two hours. But the thing that oh, drew yeah. out the game was <laughs> the fact that you're running in circles trying to figure out that one really weird, obscure, stupid thing that you would never figure out other without... Like just randomly guessing or looking up a guide. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I That's mean, true. Yeah, they, if you knew what to do right away, they'd be a lot, a lot faster. Well, and it's like you know, you see things like, you know, I guess speed running is a bad example, but in terms of like NES games that took you know people meant multiple hours to be able to finish. It's like if you get the moves down, you can do it in like ten minutes. Like, right? Yeah. Have you guys uh, given money to a Kickstarter for a video game? Um. Hopefully Megan doesn't listen to this episode, but I gave like two hundred dollars to the Amplitude one. Oh, oh shit! <laughs> I uh, I also backed Amplitude, but I think I did like whatever it was to get the game. Uh, I've only backed a few things on Kickstarter. Actually, I did like Dock of the Dead, um, which unfortunately didn't get kickstarted, but still came out, which is good. It's the, the best Geek, Geek, zombie Geek documentary you'll ever watch. Is it the only zombie documentary as well? I'm sticking to the best zombie documentary ever made. Okay. <laughs> All right, so I pre I kickstarted that, and I kickstarted uh, uh, amplitude, and I kickstarted actually just uh, the other day 
Um, there's this really neat looking smart lock coming out. So I won't really talk about that because it's not video game related, but it's like a, it like connects with your phone. And so when you get home and approach the door, it'll automatically unlock your door. And when you leave, it'll automatically lock it. And it just seems cool and convenient. You know, it's like nice when you, you know, you got arms full of groceries and then have to fumble with your keys and that sort of stuff. Like, yeah, there's a newer, like there's a few on the market already, but this one kind of seemed really cool. Especially for like renters, because it just, you, it's like a thing that just sticks right over whatever existing deadbolt you have and, um, uses like a 3M strip to hold on there. And, and that's all you need. So you don't have to replace your locks or anything like that. So it seems pretty cool. Yeah. I, I, I've given money to, um, the Mighty Number no. Nine and to the Shantae Kickstarter. Oh, right, right. I uh, did the, both of those too. Yes. <laughs> so, so Megan, <laughs> forget what you said earlier. No, well, those are cool. Those are only like ten bucks. Those weren't. Oh, okay. Those weren't two hundred dollars when I didn't have a job. <laughs> he just really likes amplitude, and who doesn't except Shane? Yeah. Right. Well, Shane doesn't like anything that's good. That's he didn't true. know what Tombo was. That's true. Yeah. Carlos Lopez is from Angry Bananas. Is still looking for Shane. I think he's in Portland right that, now on his way to Alaska. That's why Shane is not on <laughs> the show this week. Oh my God! That's right. <laughs> Holy crap! It, Carlos it, might have gotten it, to him. Spoiler! Oh, spoiler alert! Um, <laughs> Carlos uh, Carlos Lopez was the person in World of Warcraft. <laughs> <laughs> On the season finale of the Geekscape Games podcast, truths revealed. <laughs> the seeds were planted back in level three, and now they come to fruition <laughs> in level twenty. Oh my god! What a twist! Right? We. Uh, Anything else on the list? Uh, oh, here's one. Uh, the, we went over 30 minutes without mentioning Amiibo, which is the first for us. But uh, I think it would be hard for us to ignore this. The gold Mario variant of the Mario Party Amiibos went live on mm. Walmart, sold out in 15 minutes. And it did It did come back actually twice, yeah, twice more, more that day, but they all sold out very quickly. And, yeah, and, but yeah, it's official. It's Walmart exclusive. Yeah. For, for the U.S. and for people, for the good people up north in Canada, you guys have to do what? Uh, it's still Walmart exclusive as far as I've known, as far as, far as I've seen, but it, they, Walmart did confirm there will be no pre-orders, so it looks like we're camping. Uh, and are you going to be camping? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm already, I'm actually podcasting from outside of Walmart right now. <laughs> Live from Saskatchewan. Are you pre- <laughs> at least, I, I mean, at least it's not going to be, you know, remember like the whole Rosalina, Rosalina uh, yeah. fiasco was the worst where Target, you know, Target's like, was like, we're shutting down and then they're like, we might get figures, we might not get figures. And then like two figures po- pi- like popped up at like every EB games like randomly and, you know, stuff like that. So at least, you know, at least I don't have to worry about Walmart shutting down. You know what you might want to do because uh, it happened to us here with Rosalina and Target. They had people wait in line and then with 30 or 40 minutes after the store opened, they put those amiibos for sale online. Oh, really? That's how I got yours. Oh, right, right. Because right. somebody made, yeah. made a mention, like, "Hey, guys, they're live on uh, Target.com. If you guys want to order it." So hopefully, the same happens with Walmart. That they'll yeah. have a few in each store, but they'll go ahead and sell some online shortly after the store opens. Yeah. So that's my only hope for for me because p- people who desperately want it, or well, thankfully Walmart, they canceled pre-orders. If you pre-order more than two. Oh, really? And they canceled them. They just says, oh, you're not allowed. We're only doing two. Um, but that's why they put them up a second or third time that same day. But there are already listings on eBay for it for, I think, the $299. Oh, I saw that. $299. Yeah, 
I don't think that they've actually been selling no, for that but much, just for, but they're selling for around a hundred. Yeah, but the idea that people think they can get that much of a market, like put that much of a markup and actually have someone buy it, is ridiculous. Which makes me, and we were talking about this before the show. I I I'm, I would have been bummed if I would have not got a Mennonite uh, Shulk or you know those retailer exclusive here in the U.S. But I think I'm okay not getting this one. Because then mm-hmm. if you do get this gold one now, you're going to have to get the silver one to complete the whole set. And that's just something I don't want to invest time and right. money searching for. Then if you already have the standard version of the Amiibo, then what's the point? I mean, if, if it's just gold and silver, just spray paint it. I mean, they're inevitably going to come out with more than just the gold and silver Mario, too. So once you start buying one right. variant, you're going to start needing all of the variants. All. Then you're going to get the pink gold peach and oh. then the egg white Yoshi and whatever comes out <laughs> after that. So I'm just and I, I will buy all of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then uh, Shane. I, I don't know why. I have no idea why. Like they're literally going to sit in their boxes, but I will buy all of them. Actually, the Mario ones I might end up getting multiples of because I also want to play the Amiibo Party mode in in Mario Party Ten. <laughs> yeah, but I also need ones that are not out of the box. Oh, well, that's you right. Know, you do, like, do doubles, it's a, right? It's a terrible uh, world to live in. Um, other than that, oh, I think we're talking about Amiibo, we should probably mention one of our Lucario winners from the contest we had. Ooh, that was a good segue. Yeah, see? I le- Shane, I, Shane, are you taking notes? Shane. <laughs> if you're alive, which you're not. Who are we kidding? Uh, he doesn't listen to this show. Uh, <laughs> uh, Josh, do you want to mention our first winner? Uh, if you have the list up there. Uh, yes, our first winner of the first Lucario Amiibo is Darren, Twitter handle at Darren Kerwin. Um, he needed the Lucario because a very good friend of his lost out on Lucario when his pre-order got cancelled, and he would want him to have it. So, All right, so due to Darren, your selflessness, Darren, we award you our first Lucario amiibo. So we better not see that shit on eBay. No. And, we have that shit serial yeah, numbered. Yeah, his very good friend, eBay. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna bend we're gonna bend up all the corners so you can't resell it and <laughs> we're gonna like autograph it but we should um because the intention for these amiibos and i i gotta mention that uh only one of them has like a decent packaging the others came bent in when i ordered them so uh, hopefully you just want them to use it not for you know pristine collection purposes but if you want to redeem and then and, and claim your prize you have to uh send us a, tw- a tweet at our Twitter account, which is at Geekscape Games. Uh, we will not announce anything on our Twitter feed. We will not answer questions. If you want or not, you'll have to listen. Uh, so, so yeah, tweet us so, at Geekscape Games, and, and then we will uh, DM you from there. So, so oh, also you have to follow us. Yeah, a week from today. So the deadline, March 8th. So you have to get to us uh, by the end of March 8th, 11.59 p.m. Pacific time. And we'll be announce the next two winners uh, later in the show. So uh, I guess moving on from there, uh, you know, obviously you guys know how the show rolls out. So games, what have you guys been playing this week? I think we've all been playing the same thing, right, Josh? Pretty much. There's two. Ga- I mean, I've been playing a couple different things, but it's mostly the same stuff that I usually play. Um, so I really wanted to just focus on the two new games that I've played within the last week. Um, the first one of which was Kirby and the Rainbow Curse for the Wii U. And do you- of which there is a written review up on Geekscape.net yes, written- by our friend Josh Jackson. Yes, yours truly. Um, the illustrious. The illustrious the, um, I was very hype about this game before I was playing. Before I started playing it as a fan of Kirby's Canvas Curse. Um, and yeah, did you end up picking it up, Derek? I did. Yes, I. I'm only in like World Two, but I have been playing it as right, well. Right, and Juan, did you get it? I did. I'm at the same spot where Derek is. I just finished World One. I'm at level uh, World Two now. Oh, nice. Because yeah, I had a blast with it. I, ro- I, no pun intended, or maybe so. Um, I rolled through it pretty quick. Um. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it was 
it was just it was a lot of fun. It was everything that I would expect out of a sequel or spiritual successor to Canvas Curse. Um, you know, the level design's brilliant. It's con- consistently challenging. Uh, and it always just keeps you on your toes. And a big thing that I really loved about it is that the co-op experience um, in, changes the game in a subtle way, but in a way that's big enough to where it almost feels like a different game if you're playing the whole thing through with a partner. And especially because they add extra enemies or exclusive enemies, I should mm. say, to the co-op mode that aren't oh, in they're the exclusive. Right? Yeah, because there's this there's wow. these random sections in the co-op where the main villain's hands appear and trap you in this certain section of the map and they try to grab Kirby and carry him away, which is an instant death and Kirby can't hurt him. So the Waddle Dees have to, you have to use the stylus to both keep Kirby away from the hands and draw um, bridges for the Waddle Dees to be able to jump up and attack the hands. At. That is awesome. So, I mean, it adds a completely different dynamic. I mean, the only, the biggest disappointment that I had with the game was that it just has a significantly less amount of content in it compared to its prequel and then for me uh, from a critical standpoint that's one thing that really bugs me a lot where a sequel will come out and it'll be smaller or or in this case significantly smaller than its prequel Um, because this is kind of a you know once you finish the game it has a lot of challenge maps and there's a lot of collectibles but uh, compared to kirby canvas curse which was an easy 30 to 40 hour game with multiple playable characters and just as many oh, wow. and like just as many collectibles as this one it did kind of feel like a step backwards a little bit in that one but that, and then when you compare it to uh kirby's return of dreamland for the wii oh right that had tons of content in there yeah and that's one thing about the kirby games is they usually have a ton of stuff to find like usually I'm, for the most part they're pretty easy and they don't take very long to run through the story of them but you'll if especially if you're a completionist you'll be running through it over and over and over again Whereas in Rainbow Curse, I feel like like I wasn't even trying to find everything on my first playthrough, and I think my completion was ninety percent. Oh wow! I feel it's so much fun though. Like I love the uh, I, I love the collectible aspect. How there's the five treasure chests in each level, and like the it's basically like collecting virtual clay amiibos in in every level. And if you actually go into like the treasure chest mode or wherever you go to actually look at them, it's crazy how detailed they are. Like they're so. They're just so detailed, and there's like even like the room that they're sitting in looks really detailed, and how you can just rotate all around and everything like that. That was a really cool aspect. But I never, I never played Canvas Curse actually, and I'm just having a blast with it. And it, and it, I love, um, you know, every like few levels or whatever, it kind of changes things up by like throwing you in the tank or whatnot, which was like really, really fun and just felt really different. Um, right. No, it's like, and it's just very different from anything I've ever played. And I almost feel like, you know, I could basically play it with the TV off. Like it's, I feel like it's would be pretty much impossible to look at the television and play it with the stylus. Is that like, did you, did you do that? Or did you you just look at the gamepad? I never looked at the TV only till the beginning of the level or the, at the end of the level. But I'm like, wow, it looks so pretty on the TV. Cause the resolution yeah, oh yeah, higher. exactly. So I was because the colors are like brighter yeah, and like everything like that, that. But you cannot play like that. No, at all. I, that, I, that's what makes me wish I could play this with multiplayer. Just have somebody take the the, the Wii U tablet and I could play on oh, the TV. Yeah, yeah. So I could enjoy the visuals. Yeah, and the music and everything is so good. Oh, it's fantastic! But it's always yeah. been great, right? Yeah, I've yeah, never oh, been let down by the uh, Kirby game soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I feel like one one really good thing to note as well is is at least you know at least Nintendo recognizes when they do when they are releasing smaller games and they price them accordingly like both on the same same release date we've we you know we got Kirby and the Rainbow Curse and 
the Order 1886, um, you know, and one of, you know, Nintendo priced Kirby, just like they priced Captain Toad, which was an excellent but shorter adventure. You know, they priced it at 40 bucks, whereas you still have, you're still paying 60 for, um, like, the Order, which is an even shorter game than Kirby is. Right. Yeah, and, and the Order it's is just, another one. Yeah, just... Yeah, and I mean, like, it's it's obviously, you know, the order obviously cost a lot to make, and they use some really insane technologies for, like, like it's a insanely good-looking game, but, you know, Kirby and, and the Kirby and the Rainbow Curse looks, you know, the first thing you notice is, holy crap, this is gorgeous. Like, when they've got that kind of claymation uh, intro and everything like that, like, it's it's just as gorgeous, but just in an entirely different way. But, you know, you they are, you know, Nintendo did deliver a shorter experience here, but they priced it like that, too. Right. Which is, it's great. Yeah. And, and especially Nintendo games never really go, you know, the order will, you know, very quickly, especially based on its length of order, will very quickly hit that $40 price point. But Nintendo games don't tend to really ever drop once they come out. And so to price it right away at this more budget price point is like really, really nice. Right. And that's why it's a little harder to hold its shorter length against it compared to the order because Kirby, like you said, is just, it's a budget game. It's treated as a shorter or maybe a, a experience with less content compared to a $60 game. And totally, to me, yeah. in my opinion, um, even, I mean, they're completely different art styles, of course, but Kirby's graphics are every bit as beautiful as the order, just in different ways. Totally. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Well, and when we're talking about the presentation of Kirby and how good the music is and everything like that, and it's something that it is totally beautiful in every aspect, but just, yeah, like you said, just totally in a different way. It's hard to compare them in that sense, so in production value. But I'm sure the order did cost a lot more to make than than Kirby did. Right. I wonder if this. Uh, it's interesting because the last two big Nintendo releases for the Wii U have been Captain Toad and uh, the Kirby game, which both aren't as long as your sixty dollar entries, but are still satisfying. So I'm wondering that down the road, due to the success of Captain Toad, which did really well, and this we'll see how the Kirby game does, will this be a regular thing going down the road where we don't have to wait like two to three years for a game that if they announce a game, uh, say like last year in June for E3, mm-hmm. the Kirby game, yeah, yeah. we get it within six months or six, seven months, yeah, uh, which is a lot less time because the order has been in development for God knows for how long. Well, and it was de- the order was supposed and, to come out last right. year, wasn't it? Yeah. It was delayed. And it's like, yeah, and I would much rather... I feel like that's, you know, and it goes back to the whole, like, games being too long or what's the perfect length of game. And just just as an adult, like, with the amount, you know, with time and everything like that, I feel like I would rather get. And that maybe that's why I'm drawn to the episodic experiences so much True. as I get very regularly. I get, a like, a three-hour chunk of a game, which I can play through very quickly, even with my limited amount of time. And, you know, then just, like, be stoked waiting for the next you know, the next one to come out. Whereas, you know, if I pick up a game that's, you know, 40 hours long, I'm very unlikely to ever see it to completion because I don't have time and other games come out. But I would I would love to see, you know, yeah, like you were saying with Captain Toad or with Kirby, these shorter, you know, not not unsubstantial, but these shorter experiences at a better price point, but more often. Right. Yeah. Would you buy a game that's you'll get 20, 25 hours out of for $40? And you know you're going to finish it and enjoy it as opposed to dropping $60 on a game with added DLC cost that is 40, 45 plus hours that if you're going to make that commitment, that's the only game you can play. You have to kind of ignore everything else that's coming out of the woodwork. Uh-huh. So, I, I mean, I, I just – for us, we're in a really 
crucial like you know point of our lives where a lot of us who grew up gaming in the 90s and the early 2000s we're all like some of us have college some of us have families and kids i know for us here in the geekscape games podcast i think the most we get with kids are pet parents with myself and jonathan um but you know with with girlfriends and boyfriends and husbands and wives uh, the time that we just dedicated to gaming has been severely cut because you just have so much else going on. So like mm-hmm. I, I used to be ga- like weekends that all I did was game and hang out with my friends. And sometimes we were just doing both at the same time. Now I have, you know, family to visit, things to do with a wife. And if anything, my gaming time is in the morning and at late at night. And yeah. when we game, it's, it's stuff that we play together. So stuff like the wolf among us, we played the entire first chapter and once we finished it, it's like, okay, we can stop here. And then, like, say maybe two days from now or maybe next weekend, we'll play Chapter 2. So if I were to play the whole game in one sitting, yeah, I could probably rush through it, you know, a couple of hours. But if you were to be, in a, like, you know, working schedule, you can make that game last a month or a month and a half. Totally, yeah. Right. So, and, and that's – I love when it's not all available to me because I don't feel bad for not playing it because the next chunk isn't out yet. Right. <laughs> And that's the funny so, yeah, thing. Be a... Oh no, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go. Sorry. Oh, no, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say that's the funny thing about the order, which we, you know we were touching on that a little bit. But now that you mention episodic games, that's almost what it felt like. Like after playing it, the more I think <laughs> about it, and that's not necessarily a knock, but um, like anyone who's played it would could probably tell you it just it sets up. It does a lot of setup towards what's gonna happen in the future, but the For actual sure. like in-game story isn't very substantial aside from a few scenes towards the end. So I kind of feel like I kind of feel like that gave me like an episodic vibe, except it was a full sixty dollar game. Yeah, so it feels like a first episode, except you'll have to drop another sixty bucks <laughs> on the second episode in two years or whatever when it hits. Right, right. Yeah. And I mean that's that's if it hits because it's getting so much flack and because it's not, you know, it's the its reviews aren't up there where they were expecting it to be and hoping it would be like maybe it doesn't sell nearly as well as they're expecting to. And it was obviously a huge investment for Sony just looking at the game. And so maybe that means it never gets that sequel that it sets, starts setting up right at the beginning of the game or whatever. Right. right? Do you think, do you think this game would have gotten the same reviews if the price point was a bit lower, say forty nine ninety nine or even thirty nine ninety nine? Um, I think so. Mostly because it's been in development so long and it's been hyped up for mm. so long that I think people True. were just yes. expecting yeah. so yes. much out of it. And, you know, whether or not that's necessarily fair is a different conversation. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is, and this is what bugs me. I mean, I wrote, again, I wrote a piece about The Order, not necessarily a review, but I wanted to focus on the problems that the game had outside of the length, since the length was all that people were really talking about. But to me, the game almost felt like it was borderline false advertisement, because, like, from the beginning, like, from the very moment that it was first unveiled at E3 the image that they left you with on that debut trailer was like, was a lichen stalking them. And then when it lunges at them, the um, gala had the main character whips out his like lightning rod gun. And then it kind of gave me this uh, resistance uh, vibe where it was kind of like, a oh, re, yeah, yeah. you know, like a re um, reimagined history with all these like sci-fi weapons that were mixed in with, yeah. with traditional guns. And when you actually play it, there's literally I think eight lichens the whole game, and really just eight. Yeah, and their their attack patterns are pathetic. They like they lunge at you, you dodge. They run away and you shoot them while they run away, and then they turn around, lunge at you, and you dodge again and rinse and repeat until they're dead. Oh my god! So gosh. it's like, and then the rest of the game you're just shooting regular, you know, regular people, 
and the and the times that you get those special guns like the lightning rod gun and then the only other real like innovative gun was this one that shoots like this flammable powder and then you use the secondary fire to shoot a fireball into the powder and it engulfs like the whole area that the powder covered so like it sounds like a complicated flamethrower yeah kind of but i mean it was really interesting and but that and the lightning gun were like the only two uh, guns in the game outside of your typical shotguns, rifles, pistols, grenade launchers. And you only get them a few times through the whole game. Like, the most of the game, you're just shooting people with rifles and pistols. Huh. So, I mean, it's like we were... I, outside of the length and everything, the biggest thing that I had an issue with was I felt like we were promised something really creative and we only got glimpses of that. And in between the hmm. the eight lichens that with really poor combat and the creative weapons that you barely touch you're just playing this ho-hum run-of-the-mill third-person shooter that feels that plays like something that we would have experienced 10 years ago over a dozen times it sounds like it's a really good rough draft but we were promised the final draft and never got it exactly and that goes both with the story too and i'm not gonna of course i don't want to talk too much about it and i wrote the article if anyone wants to check it out on geekscape.net that goes into more detail yeah it was i really i I really enjoyed that article actually because it was just not yeah, it was not, like you said, it was not a typical, like, review. It was like, let's take a step back and look at all these things that, you know, we were promised and didn't happen or just things that just felt clunky about this title. And it's funny because, you you know, in talking to you and in reading that article, if I feel like it's still something I want to play. Um, and it wasn't something I was, you know, it wasn't at the top of my radar or anything like that. But throughout its development, I was like, oh, this looks pretty cool. And and it's still something that I feel like I do want to check out. But um but yeah, it'll be something that I'll, you know, pick up from a red box or rent and, you know, or grab from EB Games. And because I'm a platinum member, I have seven days to bring it back Ooh. and exchange it for something else, right? So platinum wait until I have member. that six to eight hours to put into it and then just, uh, you know, bring it back. Because, yeah, and it's probably something that you're not ever going to play again, right? Right, like, pretty much. Like the only thing to go back for is the collectibles, which since I wrote that article, I found out there's a section in the game that specifically is designed essentially to make it so you don't find all the collectibles in that room and <laughs> to give you replayability yeah, but there's no list that keeps track of the collectibles in the game okay. so you just right. have to get that so you just have piece. to guess and if i if megan didn't just give up and look up a guide and i said to hell with it because i need to return this and i looked up i checked the guide out myself like i probably would have never yeah. known so it's like i don't know it's just it's just ridiculous at certain points i mean it's not a bad game it's definitely worth checking out but there's no way that i would justify spending 60 dollars on it and just to give you an idea of where it's the direction it seems to be going in, uh, when I returned my copy yesterday, the same store already had two other used copies on top of the third one I was bringing mm. back. Oh, and wow. The one that I did get used was the day after release. So, oh, <laughs> so somebody played through it real quick. Yeah, apparently. Um, and before, I want Derek. I think it's only right that you announce the second winner of the Lucario Amiibo. <laughs> Uh, okay, so Amiibo number two goes to uh, Graham, who is at G Hughesman's on Twitter. Um, so he said, it was actually two tweets, so maybe he should be disqualified for that. But I don't think it's good. He said, you know, you're gonna, you'll allow it? Yeah, I'll allow it. <laughs> he, he said, I deserve the Amiibo because at D. Cranavelt made me steal two bags of Skittles for him in grade five from Echo Pool. I was granted for a month without allowance, which is approximately thirteen ninety nine Canadian. <laughs> Fuck you, Derek. Hashtag touch dick. Uh, so I feel like I very, I very, very, very vaguely remember this, but 
if I'm correct, and I don't know if I am, I feel like I convinced him to tell the the receptionist that the vending machine ate his money, and then so she gave us the money, and then we got bags of Skittles with it, but then somehow they found out and he got in trouble. Um, but now I'm paying you back with an amiibo. And not only thanks, that, thanks, Juan. Yeah, you're, you're not only going to get an amiibo, but you will also get two bags of Skittles included. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were tropical Skittles, if I remember. Were they correctly, both tropical? So. Okay, I'll make sure that yeah. I'll put the tropical Skittles into the box. <laughs> nice, nice. So yes, uh, Graham, you are the winner of amiibo number two, and I'm very, very sorry for the things <laughs> I did in my childhood. Hey, but look, it paid off. You got a Lucario amiibo. He did, yes. You, you yes. told him that back in the past. Hey, hey, I know you're grounded. I know you're pissed, but in about a decade or so, you're going to get that Lucario. You're going to get a Lucario. I mean, he'd be like, what the fuck is Lucario and what the fuck is an amiibo? Because Lucario did not exist back then. Uh, all right. So we have uh, a mission objective for... Yes. So last week, um, last week, our question was, what is one game you wish you were better at or good at competitively? So we got a few responses to this one. Uh, a lot of Smash Brothers. So I will just read through them quickly. Uh, so we've got Mike B, classic. He said Smash 4 for me, I suppose. Uh, Eric F from Geekscape.net, uh, who is a very big Power Rangers fan. Did not say Power Rangers for, uh, Sega Genesis, but he said obviously Smash Brothers, but also Marvel vs. Capcom. Graham H, who is the same Graham H that just won an Amiibo, said any RTS game, I suck at them all. I kind of agree with that. I've never been very good at RTS. Never been good at anything that ends uh, with an S. <laughs> <laughs> or starts or with. Or starts with. Or even has a letter S in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Giancarlo DeLeon says Super Smash Bros. Wii U. Raymond R. said Super Mario Bros. 1. Never beating it is one of my life's wow. major regrets. Yeah. Those pipes, son. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It takes 10 minutes with those. Uh, Jeremy S. says Tomb Raider, any of them. Uh, and Jen Jen, uh, if that's your real name, <laughs> says her first name is the same as her last name. Who does that? Mario Mario. Do, do you guys know? Mar- Mario, the, oh, okay. Mario, Mario. The, you, wow, you really turned that around. She said, uh, <laughs> and actually, she said DDR, which oh, I'm so bad at DDR. Josh, you're pretty good at yeah, it, aren't you? I've seen Josh DDR. do it. Uh, Josh is you, like a golden god <laughs> with DDR. It's like the only physical activity that I'm fairly good at. It doesn't have an S in it. Yeah, so there you go. Good. Um, I would, I, I had to tell a story. I, when I was going to Cal State Long Beach, we, we had a little arcade room that had a bowling air, uh, alley. It was really, really nice. It's still there, but they always have DDR. And one day I was playing the, they had SNK versus Capcom over there. Um, so I would always put, people would always be playing the, the fighting games over there, but they had two DDR machines and this one small Korean guy, must have been like five foot two, just walks in there by himself, puts his backpack down, puts, the money into play and plays everything like on the hardest extreme death level. And he plays those three songs and he got like the triple a rating on each one. And his, he wasn't even grabbing the bar behind him. You know, that people usually do to rest their hands and they just move their feet. He just danced the entire thing and never missed anything. And when he was done, like everybody stopped playing because we were just in awe of what we were watching here. I've never seen anything like that in my life. I've seen good DDR players, but this guy was mythical. (laughs) <laughs> like this guy's like like legendary status and he he danced and he and once he was done everybody didn't even go up to congratulate him. we were just like dumbstruck of what we were witnessing he just picks <laughs> up his backpack and leaves like he's like the sheriff who came into town cleaned house and before the cute girl could give him a kiss on the cheek he's already on his horse and riding away in the sunset 
Like he conquered this game for us, and now he ruined it because none of us can play it again. Well, yeah, Asians will do that with DDR. My God. <laughs> but uh, I, th- I think additionally, uh, if this question was asked about five years ago or four years ago or so, I would have said Guitar Hero. Uh, I, yeah. I wanted to be so good at Guitar Hero, and then I, I would say, oh, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'll, I'll get good at it, and I'll get the hard difficulty, and I'll be good. Yeah, I'd beat the devil in the du- the duel. Yeah, I'm good. And then I, I actually got to play against probably the best Guitar Hero player I've ever met in my life um, with uh, C.G. Thornton, the Star Slayer. And uh, we went, we hung out at a Dave & Buster's, I believe, in Irvine. And she goes, oh, and I knew she played, and I, but I never see, like actually see her do it. And so she goes, you want to play Guitar Hero? I was like, sure, here. Yeah, she was like, and so we played, and she played... Uh, God, I, that one song at the end of Guitar Hero, um, the Through the Fire and... Through the Fire and uh, Flames? Yeah. She played that fucking song, and she got, like, the high score, like, the, the best uh, level on it, and I'm just playing it on, like, normal level, like, struggling so bad, and I'm just looking at her like, holy shit, I, I don't know how people do that. And then she, she humble bragged afterwards, like, oh, I'm not as good as I used to be. I'm like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> like, here I am trying to figure out, where's green... Now, where's the red? <laughs> now, do I stroke it or pluck? You know, I, I, I don't know. It's just seeing people who are that good at rhythm games, I am so envious. Fighting game is one thing. I always feel like I could get better at fighting games, but I have such a respect for people with rhythm games. So, like, Josh, CG Thornton, Star Slayer, if you're listening, uh, anybody. Like, you guys are amazing at what you guys do. Uh, well, I'm not as good as I used to be. Oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you know, if they ever bring out a revival dance dance revolution, we have to get Josh on that thing. Oh well, speaking of revivals, though, they are bringing out a new Guitar Hero. They they piggybacked off of uh, Rock Band's announcement, oh. and Activision said they're bringing out a new Guitar Hero this year. So wow. you'll have your chance. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that last week, didn't we? Actually, yeah, how Rock Band was announced last week, and I think Guitar Hero was recently announced, like earlier in the week. So may- yeah. maybe we could save this for next week. But do you think the rhythm games are making a little bit of a renaissance here? A little comeback? I. Th- I don't know if they ha- are yet, but they're going to try to by the sounds of yeah. it. I mean, we'll see mm-hmm. how it goes. Uh, and uh, I guess since we're, I know we say this all the time, but we're coming short on time. But we have enough time to announce the final winner of our Amiibo giveaway. And it's no surprise that it's to our unofficial official friend of the show, Jeremy uh, at Giants Fan J says, uh, "Give me Lucario Amiibo. I pre-ordered Lucario from Toys R Us, and they sold it for from under me." Amiibo hunting is life. Damn straight, Jeremy. It is life. For life. Por vida. As my people yeah, would it was say. Yeah, uh, it was the Amiibo hunting is life that really got me. Yeah. Because I know how you feel, bro. Yeah. Um, we're, we're all kind of like doing the closed fist chest bump right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, for all of our winners, you heard your names. Just contact us at our Twitter account. Uh, you might want to give us an address. We can send you your prize. It doesn't have to be your own personal address. Just an address we can send it to. Yeah, we will. Uh, yeah, tweet at us at Geekscape Games, and then we will DM you with what we need to get your amiibo to you. And uh, Josh, do we have a new mission objective of the week? Uh, yes, our mission objective of this week is: what is a game that you have bought multiple times? Uh, so I'll let you start off, Josh. Which game have you bought multiple times, even though you already owned it? Um. For me, it goes back to a few weeks ago where my mission objective of a game I've never beat was Final Fantasy VIII. And it's not just eight, but with so many different Final Fantasies, I buy them with each new release in the hopes that I'll finish it this time. 
So with <laughs> like with Final Fantasy VIII, I was like, well, I didn't have time to finish it on the PlayStation, so now I'll have it on the PSP. Like, well, I didn't finish it on the <laughs> PSP. Now I'll re-download it for Vita and try to finish it on that. And you know, some of them I do eventually get to, like the Game Boy Advance versions of uh, Final Fantasy VI or the DS version of Final Fantasy IV. But then Final Fantasy VIII is still just sitting there and unfinished. And if they ever come out with it again on PS4, I'll probably end up with that too. Uh, Derek, how about you? Uh, well, if Amiibos count as games, I have a lot of those twice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I but have Amiibos a, not I, a motherfucking a... game. <laughs> the hunt is it, it, you're you're very right it's not um there yeah like there's been a few final fantasies i bought multiple times either on um you know there was ones that i had for playstation that i bought you know when they were became playstation classics titles on the ps3 final fantasy 10 i bought on the ps2 and then again on the vita and i don't have a vita anymore so i'll probably buy it again on the ps4 when it comes out uh the metal gear games i think i've bought all of those at least a couple times you know the their standard versions and then their substance or subsistence versions um i don't know what else there is oh yes so we've got some some of the terrible silent hill games Mm. i bought those when they came out played through them got rid of them and then when they announced silent hills i was like i want to play through all the old games again so i went out and tracked down copies of homecoming and downpour and even the book of memories for for vita again just because i'm like i want to play through these and then i didn't uh, because i started homecoming and i was like oh yeah this is why i got rid of this so <laughs> those 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 would be the main ones for me i don't know that there's a lot that i've purchased multiple times um but yeah, usually it's a case of like having a fond memory of it or never being able to finish it back in the day. And then I, you know, get the idea that I want to this time around. So uh, I must have bought uh, now I have to let me say what it is and I'll explain what why I bought six copies of Metroid Other M. Why? <laughs> now, <laughs> well, I, I, I bought the first one just for myself because, you know, I want to play it. And then uh, we were doing the Street Pass LA meetups a couple years ago. And we needed to find prizes to give away, and Target had them for like $9.97. I remember that. So I just said, screw it. So I bought five more copies <laughs> to give away as prizes because I figured, hey, Jeez. people don't like full retail games, and some of these kids are, you know, they don't know any better. Why not? You're getting a Wii game for free. Did you poach you know, all the so- Club Nintendo coins out of it? No, they were sealed. I should have. I should have, but I didn't because I want to be nice and respectful. But now in retrospect, now that the Club Nintendo is shutting down, I'm like, damn it. Those are 50, 50 points a pop. And I think I think people <laughs> bought them just to say like, yeah, it's nine ninety seven, and yeah, I'm not going to finish the whole game. But damn, those are 50 Nintendo points I'm going to get. Oh, totally. It's yeah. sad to and know I that think, I bought games for that reason before. Yeah, and, and, and trust me, I... No, I, I'm probably going to go look to see what games are available with points that I can redeem because I just spent 700 of them to get the last set of Smash Brothers posters. And because I, I have all my Smash Brothers posters on my wall in classroom to create an environment, you know, for my kids. But now I'm like, damn it, I spent it on them. But I know ne- this week Nintendo's going to put out like, here's a very exclusive Legend of Zelda item that we're never going to sell and you're never going to see again, but you can only get it here. Or you make it even worse. Like, here's a Link to the Past Amiibo that's only exclusive here. And it's only exclusive to people with the last name Marquez. You know, that's <laughs> it. And it's like, ah, oh, no, why are you going to release it now? So, uh, so yeah, six copies of Other M. So, sounds really bad now, but <laughs> back then it sounded pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so who? So, yeah, 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 that's, you know, be sure to tweet at us, put on our Facebook, uh, email us what, uh, 
what are games that you purchased multiple times and why? And yeah, we'll just keep wondering why Juan ended up with so much other AM because still. Best game of the year. Still, uh, Best game ever. Pres- Someone had to buy it, I guess. Uh, I was the one. You were that guy? I was the one. You helped him. That's why Nintendo's still around because without Juan, they'd be doomed. Yeah, there would be no other Metroid game if it wasn't for me. They're still doomed. Yeah, apparently, yeah. there are no other Metroid games since then. <laughs> I'll be worried when Nintendo <laughs> isn't doomed. I think that's when we should all worry. Yes, yes, but yeah, that's when that when all the well, and all the haters are like, "Hey, you know what? I think I'm, gonna, I think uh, Nintendo's actually pretty cool." Then you'll be like, "Oh shit, what's going on?" <laughs> yeah, they're turning into everyone else. Oh god, let's hope that never comes. And you know, with that, I think we've just wrapped up another episode of the Geekscape Games podcast. So, of course, you can find us all where we hang our hats uh, at Geekscape.net. Uh, which is also the Geekscape Twitter handle. Uh, you can find us at Geekscape Games on Twitter. I'm D- at DCranavelt on Twitter. I'm at Inu Joshua. That, now, now that's where you guys talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's at Inu Joshua for Josh and at the King of Mars for me. And as always, oh, thanks for listening. And, and at Shane O'Hare. And at Shane oh, O'Hare. Right, right, right. Which, uh, I, I, you know, I forgot have... he was on this show. Because everything ran yeah, so smoothly it, here. It did, yes, yes. And, you know, we weren't like, I don't know. We weren't talking about peeing in butts and hating women and stuff. Or so coming on amiibos. That's got true. got peed That's in their butts, so I think that this uh, episode is right, bye. <laughs> bye, everybody. Bye.